In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Welcome back to uh, to the country, Sammy. Welcome back to me. We haven't done like a real panel episode for a couple of weeks. It feels like a real back to school moment this week. It does. But don't worry. <laughs> I've been listening to every single episode. Um, really? Yeah. Like. I have a lot of, I had a lot of spare time on vacation. So um, I listened to every single episode because there was so much happening and I didn't feel like I I was able to like really connect to it. And I also didn't want to feel like I was, it was really like depressing me. Like, and I know it's like so douchey to be like, I was depressed on my vacation because of like, you know, all this stuff, but like, it was really upsetting. I just needed a place to like, hear about it um with you know a little bit of a lighter tone despite yeah. how horrible everything is and alas the betches up is the oh we love it i went that is our lane that is our lane i truly can't believe that texas went ahead and banned abortion while you and elise were on their honeymoons <laughs> i cannot it's believe it it's frankly rude um for many reasons oh, it's so rude it's so rude so we haven't discussed like straight up governing for a few weeks. There hasn't been too much going on. They There's haven't really been, been governing. Th- that's true. They haven't really been governing. The governing that's going on is governing we're not in favor of. So we'll we'll put into focus what's going on in national politics today. But for most of today's show, we're going to discuss some women and their bullshit. But first, we're going to talk about a man and his bullshit. Today, it is not Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott. They're taking the day off from this podcast. We're going to talk about... I mean, there's only one left, Mr. Joe Manchin. Uh, honestly, like it's really. <laughs> Did you miss Joe Manchin, Sammy? <laughs> honestly, okay. When I was gone, it really hit me with full force. Like we have, we are in control of the whole government, minus the Supreme Court, clearly, and we still can't have done nothing. Like it's. Like, I'm actually just so baffled that, like, we have done nothing and there's nothing that anyone can do to get Joe Manchin to change his mind. Like, if, if the Republicans were in their, this position, they would never be in this position because they would just solve it. They would never be in this position. Not at all. So what are we talking about? What is Joe Manchin up to now? Same shit as always, but we are hurtling towards the end of 2021, which is wild. 
which means we're entering a hugely important legislative session ahead of 2022. This is important because I feel like I hear a lot that you can't really make huge decisions or moves when you're in an election year or you're close to midterm elections. I realized that I just sort of hear that conventional wisdom and I'm like, sure, fine. We have a deadline. I know why. How could I expect my government to do anything for me when there's an election in nine months? So before I, I want to actually like challenge that wisdom. Is that accurate? Where did that come from? Uh, Forget I that. I don't know where that <laughs> came from. Like, I don't know where that. I just want to point out it's the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Like, just just sit and do the math on that. That is not just a presidential year. It is. It turned out to be the biggest presidential year, the pr- biggest presidential win for the party that actually the, the president that actually got it forced through in American in modern American history. Like. So this notion that you can't do things in election years, like that's something that... to, to realize why you brought that up. You were just like, well, think about the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I was like, sure, I guess we can do that. OK, because it was 1964. It was 1964. Was, yeah. <laughs> we can't do Notably anything, an election guys. Year. <laughs> you know, they were passing like constitutional amendments, too. I, I, I really think like people have for like all that we get from modern politicians as excuses for why they cannot do things, which is hilarious to me because I've been I started reading about the legislative history of like the Civil War amendments. And like I when you stop and think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, when was the last time we passed an amendment? And it's like, oh, 50 years ago, like it's not that long ago. There are people living memory. Joe Biden was an adult when we last passed the constitutional amendment. People are making it out to be like, oh, man, we ha- we haven't changed the Constitution. In our- and like, it's not true. It's happened just recently. There are lots of people alive who remember passing a constitutional amendment, but somehow none of our mom said, oh, we can't do anything because in in two years there will be an election like Yes, that's what happens every two years. (laughs) Also, like, I don't I understand maybe if we were in the year of the election, but where we're like not even nine months since he was. I feel like since early summer, he was inaugurated. Like, (laughs) Like, I get it. But like, but he hasn't even been like if a baby was conceived on his inauguration, it might not be born yet. It wouldn't be born yet. Well, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, I want my politicians to work harder than me. I don't want them to always be on vacation. They work way less hard than you. Sure. When I get to Wednesday afternoon, do I enter into Friday energy? Sure. But my job (laughs) is not governing the nation. I do not want my government in Friday energy on a Wednesday. I want them in no, I don't really want them in Wednesday energy. I want them to have Tuesday energy all year long, all term long. They should have Monday fucking morning after January. They should have January 2nd energy all the time. January 7th That's- energy is where I want people to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. So what is your where at war? Whatever. So what specifically is getting jammed up now? It is this huge um, tri- multi-trillion dollar package that will solve some problems. Um, I've been calling this the BFD because it is a big fucking deal, literally. And um, I, they said on Positive America, and I believe this strongly too, that like we should not be going around just saying that it's $3 trillion. Let's keep that part. Let's keep that part to line too, if, if it seems to impact people. One of those people that it's impacting though, of course, is Senator Joe Manchin. 
he would love to stay around one to one and a half trillion dollars. I'll remind you that Bernie Sanders originally proposed this as a six trillion dollar deal. So good on him for keeping, you know, starting from there so that we had a lot of room. The Biden administration and Chuck Schumer and it's Pelosi, to be clear, they have been saying we want to go for three and a half trillion dollars. Why are we still acting like any of this money is real? Like, like, I know, like, like, why are we playing games? Like, none of this is real. It's also it's being called three point five trillion dollars because it's a total spending package. But the package is set up over 10 years, years, three hundred fifty billion a year. So if you stop and think about that, that sounds stupid. It's like, oh, two Jeff Bezos is a year. Like, that's not exactly that's not anything. You guys, the United States federal government spends probably spent more on just like buckles on military gear than anything that we're right. seeing in this bill. Like people need to stop. <laughs> Right. And this we just want to bring us slightly closer to not being like one of the only countries in the world that does not offer any paid or mandated leave. So it's expected that Joe Manchin will come up to two trillion, but that would require a trillion and a half in cuts, which is a lot of the stuff in this bill. I mean, we addressed this at the beginning, but it's like this one dude is going to has made it impossible to get any big signature items done. And I don't know what to do about it. So like nine months in, what's our report card for this Democratic Senate? And is it like Joe Manchin is just, if Joe Manchin weren't in the group project, they would have an A, it's a C. Okay, explain. Okay, the reason it's a C and not an F is because of the stimulus. Mm -hmm. Um, And because they did like, uh, they, they honestly like if we weren't for anti-vaxxers and like anti-maskers and disinformation rampant on Facebook they would I do believe the pandemic would be quote over so mm-hmm. I do think they did everything they could in that realm but all the which is important obviously but all the other realms are just an F so yeah Caitlin reasoning i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with sammy here i'm gonna go with the c for the fact that for for the basic competence on stuff that like really needed to get done like there was some emergency stuff um particularly again around the pandemic that had to be done like it literally there was no other choice like it had to be passed or else we would have just collapsed so i give them credit for staving off collapse at the same time like it's it's a very short window of of thinking that comes out of the Senate, comes out of Chuck Schumer, <laughs> comes out of like no one's thinking past like the okay, we 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 got a compress on the bullet wound. Now we will do nothing. It's like it still destroyed the internal organs. Like we got people are taking horse to warmer. Like what <laughs> you guys, we gotta gotta do something to think about where we're going to be. And then, of course, voting rights, uh, the fact that that we've been in a stalemate over whether or not Democrats are ever going. They're like, oh, it's going to be a midterm election. I'm like, with redistricting that's going to be run by Republican uh, state houses, with the election laws that have been passed in Texas and wherever, and with the Supreme Court that is gutted voting rights before they had a supermajority now. I'll be, they'll be lucky. You could legitimately be like, don't want person to vote because they a Negro. And they would straight up be like, 
I don't see how that's racist. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they that's not even a term anyone uses anymore. So technically not racist. And you're like, that's what that's what's going to be like forever. So I, the lack of movement on that and Joe Manchin holding up things on that and climate change. So very obviously being the situation right now, no minimum wage increase. Uh, which we've seen now is the con- the consequence of that is that no one wants to go back to work for, for good reason because if you have to risk your life for <laughs> seven twenty five an hour uh, post pre tax pre tax pre tax that's gross that's your gross take home as opposed yeah. to having to pay somebody more than that to I'm counting Tipman to watch your kids. Like, of course, they're not going back. And I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast, but obviously also this week, unemployment ended uh, for, I think, 11 million people are losing some some kind of, and, you know, the reactions to this, yeah. even among progressives are, you know, I had a lot of people sort of respond to, like, Instagram stories I was posting about this saying, like, I don't want to ask the wrong question, but I don't understand why they still need unemployment. But for exactly what you just said, I mean, if you have people to care for and your job isn't even going to pay you enough to pay for that and you don't have resources maybe one of the 650,000 people that died was your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle who provided care like there there are there are plenty of reasons and even in the states that have some states over the summer like they could have kept it going but they decided to end it early to try to prompt some new employment and they did not see the results that they were that they were hoping for also like people need unemployment not because they need like unemployment specifically it's that people need anything any Mm -hmm. sort of assistance on any metric of anything like Mm -hmm. like people need child care okay so if you could get universal child care then maybe people could go back to work people need like the universal basic income like there's if people didn't have to pay for their health care maybe they wouldn't need unemployment. Like mm-hmm. give someone something, like do something to stimulate the economy to create. I don't even want to say like some sense of fairness because they clearly don't give a fuck about fairness, but like do anything to create any sort of stimulus so that you could get the consumer economy that the United States economy is back to like maybe an acceptable place. But like they mm-hmm. don't care because they have like a yacht. So and like right. there's no problem paying for the yacht. So yeah. And the money is like the money exists in this country. It is in circulation. Like we can just tax people the money that they don't need and that they could never or, spend that is just sitting in their accounts to pay for these things, which you said, Sammy, would result in fewer people needing unemployment and us having to have all these conversations trying to explain why. Um, you know, trying to fight these bad faith arguments, like why are people refusing to go back to work? It's like, I, I don't think somebody would have the same. I mean, the reason people are refusing to go back to work, refusing is because they literally can't. But if we were to pass this three and a half trillion dollar bill, implement these things over 10 years, maybe we'd have a situation where people have a little bit more protection when crises happen. And we wouldn't constantly be having to have this unemployment debate. Unemployment are these lazy people that won't go back to work. It's like, we're all entitled to a couple hundred bucks a month if we have a kid. So it doesn't matter whether you're working or not. We all get it, whether we're working or not. 
Also, they don't even need to like necessarily raise the taxes on these people. They could start with collecting them. Start with merely getting the taxes that are presently owed. So if you just invest in like the IRS itself into like going after not just like the random person who accidentally like doesn't pay some amount, like a small inconsequential amount of money, like a thousand dollars, like stop chasing down a thousand dollars, get like high level forensic accountants, the people who are checking out Erica James (laughs) and go there, get money and hire those people and then recover some of the tax money that you're already owed. And you don't even, no one even has to hear about it. There were even some Senate Republicans who didn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I also point out that wage theft is the largest amount like raw money that is stolen every year like that that is the the largest amount but it outdoes larceny like you could combine everything else and just wage theft out outdoes all of it okay no matter what you were stealing (laughs) you could go like steal a picasso i swear to god it's still going to be worth less than the amount of wages that is stolen out of people's paychecks so that's number Mm -hmm. one number two is 28% of tax evasion is at, of of our tax base, like something over a hundred billion dollars annually is avoided by the top 1%. That's, that's just, that's just that avoidance. So like, that's, that's the second point is like, there's tons of money being left on the table. And then finally, you know, work, like it takes a lot of energy and skill to do work. You've got a lot of intellectual workers who are talking about burnout, a lot of people at the, who are further up on the income scale. We are talking about how we cannot keep ourselves above water right now. And yet there's absolutely zero respect for the amount of work that actually has to be done to keep us, even our basic standard of living for the people further up. The people who are doing that work have even less and are, are basically, you, people want that just, it's just like, it's straight up an economy where that labor is seen as meaningless, even as we know it is literally the only thing between us and Armageddon as far as having a society. And there's no respect for it and there's no investment in it. And it's like, why should anybody go back to doing that? You know, I was doing retail and that's not even essential, but they worked some stuff out so that they could keep things open. You know, like if that's going to be your mentality, then not respecting the work that's being done and the value that's being created and investing it back into people. Like, why do you think anyone's going to put up with that forever? And why should they? Mm-hmm. I know. I'm just thinking about the people that like work those like low paying jobs. They've had to wear masks this entire time. And then like what you live in New York city at the end of the day, you got to get home and a subway that's flooded with water. It's like <laughs> this, this, uh, I mean, I feel like I've seen this a lot on the internet and we say this on the show a lot, but it's like real, real end times vibes, real, real end times energy this week. Huh? Yeah. We're getting aggressive nods. Yeah. <laughs> the past two weeks. I mean, honestly, I feel like it was because I was off from the morning announcements. Like, <laughs> am I the only thing? They were like, Sammy's not watching the news, so we can go ancient. Right. It's like, it's like when my therapist says, like, what do you think you're going to miss if you don't watch the news? Like, I can tell you exactly <laughs> well, what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, therapist, actually, you're like, wrong. Well, actually, when I turned off the news, they let, they let, <laughs> they started allowing human citizens to place bounties on each other. Um, oh my God. 
the subway flooded, the whole city flooded. The Taliban took the entire country of Afghanistan. It like didn't even take us two weeks. Like we were there for 20 years and and it, yeah. two weeks later, they run yeah. everything. It was like yeah. we were never there. New York and New Jersey and Louisiana flooded. Tahoe was on fire. Like, oh my God. I can't even keep track. There was an episode we recorded a few weeks ago that we published on Labor Day. And Elise and I were both talking about like, well, you know, since it's been a slow news, August is supposed to be slow. It has not. It has not been slow. Because I mean, I haven't even been thinking. Legislatively, it's slow because they're on right. vacation. But I think we've now seen that things don't just stop because Congress is in Hawaii. Like, <laughs> Also, don't go to Hawaii. The end. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're not. They don't want you there. Hawaii is asking you to reconsider going there. Cancel the White possible. Lotus reservations. Yeah. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So speaking of wild shit that is happening, not in Congress, we'll do a couple Texas abortion follow-ups. I wish that there were more follow-ups every day. I'm like, so you still can't, there, there have been some legal interventions, very specific, very patchwork, which is what Texas wanted and it's getting what it's wanted. But a number of other states are now tossing their MAGA red hats into the ring to have the most restrictive abortion laws in the land. First up, Enter Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota. I think my I think my least favorite governor, and I know that's a big a big claim, but I I think DeSantis, I hate her more. Abbott. I know. I think she's like nastier. I don't know. I expect more from women too, and she just she's a nasty woman. I'm gonna right. go with DeSantis, but only because he was hard to be close to being Andrew Gillum. And frankly, his scandal would have been a significant improvement over all of Ron DeSantis's. True. That's that's accurate. So Governor Christy Noem, she has been, she's definitely gonna run in 2024. I think she's on, she's putting her hat in the ring, she's on all of the polls. She famously has had like no COVID restrictions. Uh, very minimal, which some say probably led to a huge outbreak because she let that motorcycle rally come. And I, I, I can't wait. Maybe there's already some su- study out there about yes, Sturgis, Sturgis right. motorcycle. Rally. Never forget <laughs> the Sturgis motorcycle rally. So now, now what she's doing is she basically was after the Texas thing. She promised that South Dakota would have the most pro-life laws in the land. 
So she called for a statewide review of existing laws, then went ahead and banned the prescription of medication abortion via telemedicine. Her order mandates that abortion medication can be prescribed or dispensed only after an in-person examination by a doctor licensed in South Dakota. It also bans abortion medication from being provided via courier delivery, by telemedicine or mail service, as well as on state grounds or in schools. South Dakota doesn't have, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty rural state. I mean, a lot of its clinics are far apart. I believe it is considered an abortion desert. One note here that telemedicine abortion is safe. And we finally have lots of data to show us that. Before the pandemic, the FDA had required in-person distribution for one of the pills involved in medication abortion. Um, the basically like the gynecologist association have, has long said that this is not necessary for like more than a decade now has said evidence-based medicine shows that's not necessary. So this was temporarily suspended finally in July of last year, but just because of the pandemic. So this was quickly endorsed and it started happening, which finally gave scholars and academics an opportunity to study the safety. And a study released a few weeks ago from the University of California, San Francisco, showed that telemedicine abortions showed an efficacy rate similar to in-person provision, suggesting that abortion provided via telehealth is feasible and safe. Last week, Chris, Millie, and I, we talked about medication abortion. We talked about it in the context of like, some people have different preferences for how they want to end a pregnancy. And the most important thing is choice. So a lot of people would rather not do it that way. Still, that is sometimes their only option, especially for a lot of these women that are impacted in Texas or places with abortion, um, abortion deserts. So this seems to be something that Republicans are picking up on. And with Governor Christy Noem's recent move, it really looks like the GOP could view medication abortion as something they could really easily manipulate for political gain. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of these. And it's really something the FDA should have gotten, should have addressed, you know, years and years and years ago. But it's just so gross to me. And that's why we had this discussion last week that that you would rob somebody of the option they prefer for their medical procedure because of, for, for no medical reason, like think of any other thing that would happen. Like, would you rather us do it this way or this way at your dentist? And you say this way and they say, no, they're equally as safe, but no, you can only do it this way. It's like hard to well, they just, comprehend. It, for them, it's just about like maximizing restriction and abortion by mail sounds very, exactly. You know, it's like, sounds bad on a TV commercial and yeah. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. that the bat like think about how ridiculous they don't really care about like the logic of the law. Like they really only care about just like making one and then hoping that the Supreme Court eventually overturns Roe. True. Yeah, there's people are gonna get upset about the hypocrisy here or like the the actual tangible effects, and it's important to you know, emphasize that they don't care. Like they don't care about what this is going to do to people. That is the intent. The intent is to basically, you know, um, Republicans are frustratingly very aware of how power is structured. They know that it's very hard to directly like push a button and get people to do what you want them to do. But you can create systems that very clearly disincentivize behavior or very clearly reward certain behavior. And this is, you know, a 50 year old eugenics project that they're obsessed with to force women, particularly white women to give birth um, against their will, <laughs> regardless of, of what they want. 
And the point of all of this is to force abortion into a place where it's not really a meaningful choice for people. And they have to they have to stay pregnant. Um, And that limits women's autonomy and people with uteruses autonomy in very serious ways. Um, And we all know that, like, if not, that's that's why birth control exists. Like they're coming for that next. You know, it's Griswold v. Connecticut that they're going to go after right after Roe, which is like the right not to get pregnant in the first place. They're going to. So all of this is designed to to basically terrorize people with uteruses. Right. And another thing I think people don't even realize is that like all this has implications for like IVF, like you're not going to be able to create embryos and then just let them sit like they're not cool with that. That's a human. It has rights. Right. And then they're going to hold IVF clinics responsible if something happens to those embryos or they're discarded in a way they don't like. And then IVF clinics will be like, well, fuck that. We can't operate. So. Yeah. I mean, when that seems to come into play, people get really animated. But then I've just been thinking a lot about when Amy Coney Barrett was appointed. And there was a lot of like, she's a respectable jurist. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like she's she's going to make like, no, she was a zealot. And we (laughs) saw that Chief Justice John Roberts said this was wrong for them to do. Like, I'm just so mad at all the people at that time that like, tried to make it sound dumb. Like we're just so fucking dumb. Like you're just you. They'll just believe anything. It's like it's like just because I don't understand. Like, is it that they are incredibly trusting? Like, what the fuck is it that anyone thought that would be okay? Like, she was an extremist. Like, it was not fake news that she is referred to as a handmaid. That was an accurate headline. The biggest problem for me is that not only was not enough made of it at the time that she's being confirmed, but then people treat it like all of this was designed to get us to stop seeing her as illegitimate, to treat her appointment. She was that event to, to nominate her like RBG was not even in the ground yet. Like she hadn't been buried. She hadn't had her in the rotunda before Amy Coney Barrett was was nominated. That's such a grotesque thing to do. And, and to people do it voted done before the election. And that's so, so disgusting. Like it was so close. And you very obviously have popular sovereignty sitting right there being like, actually, we might want someone else to nominate a space for that judge. The majority did not want her on the court, but it didn't matter. And now we're all being kind of told, well, you know, that's just the way things are now. And it's like, why was that? We didn't even get an option to, to talk about this. You guys just did it over our heads. And now we're supposed to treat her like she's the same as anybody who's appointed to the court through normal means. Uh, yeah. There's just so much rot that it's hard to make people understand. Like, well, these are the things with these, this is how they are. You can't just change them. No, this was a miss. Things got messed up along the way. It's rotten. We have to end the filibuster, pack the courts to fix Like That is the way to bring things back to not being rotten. Okay, so now let's move on to a slightly, slightly different topic. I'm so excited to talk about this. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Holmes, girl boss herself. <laughs> so how much uh, Elizabeth Holmes Theranos content have we all respectively consumed? I haven't done a bunch. I haven't really. Done that's surprising. 
Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like I know what's up and like nothing's happened yet. I right. mainlined every bit of Elizabeth Holmes content from I read the entirety of uh, Bad Blood and I watched both of the Theranos documentaries. I just I love I love how tacky everything about this is. It's just so perfect. Delicious. It's delicious. Yeah, it's great. The only thing I didn't do is the podcast because I feel like the podcast is based on the book and I read John Kerry's book. Um, obviously, he wrote everything in the Wall Street Journal, but she's on trial this week. So if you if you don't know about this, Elizabeth Holmes founded a company devoted to testing tiny samples of blood and a little high tech box. The blood testing company, she started at 19. Theranos was at one point valued at $9 billion after raising $700 million. So looking values, wild. But this little high-tech box was a complete flop. It never worked, and the technology was never even close to delivering on its promise. But still, Holmes and some of her colleagues misled and defrauded investors and even let Walgreens like build clinics to test blood. There are so many details in all the content that Caitlin and I just discussed about the ways that they tried to hide what was going on. Um, it's really quite, quite a thrill. So she and her homes and her one-time business partner and romantic partner, Ramesh Balwani, who goes by Sunny, they were indicted with 12 counts of wire fraud, a conspiracy to commit wire fraud. So federal charges. The trial is going to last 13 weeks and potentially feature as witnesses, high profile ex-board members and investors, such as former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, media mogul Rupert Murdoch, uh, James Mattis is a witness. And for her part, Holmes is, she's now married to a hotel heir and gave birth to a son just a month ago. As much as I am not on her side, ooh, kind of sounds rough to be on trial for, for fraud when you have a one month old. Yeah, could have thought about that. Living her life, like after this, that's I think that's like the most boss move I've ever seen. Where she's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna continue doing whatever the fuck I was doing before I just committed like this completely atrocious fraud. I want to toss out there too. She probably is responsible for at least one suicide that she basically pressured one of her subordinates into. Um, because he was dying of cancer. So he had to make a choice of whether or not she was, he was going to live out the rest of his days being destroyed by uh, Elizabeth Holmes or whether or not he was going to take his own life. And he chose, obviously, to do that, which is very unfortunate. But like he was under extreme pressure from her because he was loco in the cocoa. Yeah, she knew what was what was going on, which is which is important because a lot of a lot of the defense is going to say she didn't know what was what was going on. So the prosecution has to prove that Holmes knew she was misleading investors about the products, potential and success. Her defense is going to claim that the product simply failed, as many do, and there was nothing nefarious going on. One of her attorneys said, quote, trying your hardest in coming up short is not a crime. They'll also claim that exaggeration is just how Silicon Valley is, and she was just participating in the type of persuasion that is effective to investors. She had no knowledge that the product itself was not working. They're also saying that Balwani emotionally and mentally abused Elizabeth Holmes and that the abuse negated her ability to intentionally deceive investors. She might herself testify about this. And Balwani's lawyers have denied that accusation in a filing. If Holmes testifies, she's not really set up for success in a securities in an SEC commission deposition in 2017. She responded to questions by saying, I don't know, at least 600 times. And that is noteworthy because now if she does offer real answers while she's on the stand, it hurts her credibility if she says something different than before. 
It was reportedly pretty hard to find jury members who hadn't engaged in one of the many content streams about this. And her trial was totally swamped with spectators yesterday, including notably a group of a young blonde woman dressed head to toe in black. I have come across a weird corner of TikTok where people explain why they love her. (laughs) But if convicted, she faces 20 years in prison. But I why is this story so kind of delicious? What do we what do we like about it? Caitlin, you, I, I feel like you said it in our chat earlier. <laughs> more women, crime lords. <laughs> I mean, and to be clear, we don't want more crime lords, but we want more of the crime lords to be women. No, we gender don't parity want more crime in crime lording. <laughs> we want the sector to become gender balanced. <laughs> got it. Got it. Important <laughs> distinction. Important distinction. I mean, oh Caitlin, God. you listen to everything. Do you buy it at all? that she really thought this little box was going to be a success. No. no, I mean, she was 19 years old. Uh, one of the things that like both I was saying, like one of the things that impresses me is that she very clearly knew how to manipulate people and like what they wanted to hear and what Silicon Valley like wanted to do. And she even used, she particularly weaponized her femininity as a way of keeping everybody from asking any questions. Like you look at that board and it's overwhelmingly like old white dudes who were very clearly like just enamored with her, her brilliance. And she's, she's obviously really smart, which is why it's so impressive that <laughs> she pulled this all off. Like you can't pull off. She's no ordinary, you know, girl bossing yeah. MLM kind of situation. She's a whole nother level of fraud. You had to be mm-hmm. a genius to pull this thing off because no one looked closely at anything that she was doing. People who were medical, like were all kept out of it. So if she could continue to lie to people who didn't know what she was talking about, could believe that it was possible. Right. I yeah. think there's like... um I think there's a certain type of personality that just like, it's like a Trump personality. Like they're such a, a force in and of themselves that like they're able to perpetuate something like this, like Billy McFarland has it. And it's like, basically they just like with the force of their person are able, like a combination of like delusion and like a questionable sense of ethics and just yeah entitlement usually, like, yeah. leads them to believe that like and I do believe like 20% of Elizabeth Holmes brain believed maybe I can do it but like I don't think she was forthcoming about the reality like she obviously was not forthcoming about the reality of the situation and she was cosplaying a Silicon Valley founder so it wasn't just like oh I'm just gonna all I want to do is make this discovery and that's all I really care about she was definitely like she had such a strong affect um, yes. but yeah, I think you're right, Sammy. I think it's like, there are people like that, that are just so, so confident that the only rational basis for their confidence is that they are entitled to that confidence that they have the goods to back it up. So it's sort of disarming. So it's like, you, you don't, you, it doesn't occur to you to, to question it. Um, I uh, see, that's the thing. It's like, I think, I think a lot that I would be doing better in life if I had a little bit of that verb in me, cause yeah, I have no, none. I, I got none. I actually do think it is like to have like a small amount of it is like useful, helpful, but like you have to know at what point you are crossing like the boundaries of like what's ethical and honest, like 
Like, yes, it's true. Silicon Valley is run on a lot of bullshit. Projections of your revenue are inherently bullshit. Like, like just, it is like you, yeah, you might say that, but like, and based on like this assumption, but like your assumption might fail. There might be a fucking pandemic who the hell knows. But like, she obviously like took it to another level. Yeah, totally. Right. I, and my next question was like you were saying what she did was impressive. It is rewarding. It is gratifying to see a lot of these older white men who are used to being rewarded, uh, have this happen to them. And sometimes I wonder, had she done this with a company that did not mislead people about their health and did not fuck with people's blood and their medical history, if it were something that, that didn't have the potential to hurt people or mislead people like that, if she would have even more sort of a mythology and like stand them around her. I think she'd be in business still. Yeah. That's, that's the real right. truth. Like what is Mark Zuckerberg yeah. doing that she's not doing right now? <laughs> right. Like the WeWork guy, like WeWork he probably has a career if he wants it. His, his savior for like almost a billion dollars so because he's owed that money. Wow. That one. I also love the WeWork scandal because I worked for the, one of their their office sharing rivals. And it was just to me, it's just like beautiful, delicious schadenfreude like all yeah. the time. But like, yeah, that's all. They, these scammers, they've been scamming. They would continue to scam people. <laughs> like it's exactly it's exactly what Sammy said. Like you got that Trump energy. Is he anywhere? He's he's still out here. So, yeah. She I know it's pretty too. crazy that she's standing trial, that Elizabeth Holmes is standing trial when you think of all the people that are like what she did was objectionally, objectionally, objectively bad. And she and they were crimes. But it's just sort of like, oh, it's news to me where we're enforcing those. And it is interesting that the time we choose to enforce them is when it's this woman. I am most curious to see. I hope she testifies so we can hear what her voice sounds like. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's actually really interesting. Um well, okay. You know what I think? I think Elizabeth Holmes is just like a Silicon Valley intellectual, less glam version of like Jen Shaw. Like it's, it's like, there's plenty of these characters out there. They're just like, right. That's why. Like, yeah. Right. And people think about are Jen so Shaw fooled and by Erica. the appearance. Yeah. Like people are so fooled by the appearance. Like, yeah, people are fucking idiots. Like, it's I mean, that's the thing about Jen Shaw and Erica from housewives is that what they did their scams really hurt people really really hurt people really really hurt vulnerable people i i just think like holmes is just so fascinating because like again she's just going through her life just doing like this you can you get the sense that like fairness was like a thing she did and then she's like well <laughs> now i want to go do different things like she doesn't she doesn't act in any way like the remorselessness and the sense of like it just being just the thing that she tried and right remorseless yeah. and it's like girl that's not what this was this was you got walgreens to like build a bunch of machines exactly yeah i am very curious uh, to watch this and we will keep you guys posted on any intriguing details if she testifies what comes out of that notably and what her voice sounds like that is our show until the end of democracy i'm amanda duberman i'm sammy sage I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. 
The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.